Hi, this is Nathan. Before we get to the episode, I want to invite you to join me on an incredible adventure this November of 2024. I am taking a small group of believers to Turkey, what the New Testament called Asia Minor, for a 12-day Bible study tour of the early church. We'll be studying the book of Acts and many of the epistles on location as we visit ancient cities like Ephesus, Laodicea, Heropolis, Antioch, Pergamum, and many more. If you are interested in joining me this November for a once-in-a-lifetime adventure as we study where much of the New Testament and early church took place, you can learn more by going to deeperchristian.com forward slash turkey. And if you're interested, don't delay. Spots are limited and on a first-come, first-served basis, and a $100 discount is available if you register before May 27th. I do hope you can join me. And again, more information is available at deeperchristian.com forward slash turkey. Now, here's the episode. Welcome to episode 268 of the Deeper Christian Podcast. This is the podcast to help you study God's word, know Jesus intimately, and discover how you can build your life around Jesus Christ. I'm Nathan Johnson, and in today's episode, I want to talk about some of the most stunning prophecies about Jesus. Let's dive in. If you've been listening to the last several episodes of this podcast, you know that I've been working in conjunction with my Daily Thunder series, The Storyline of Scripture. And in that series, I'm talking about seeing Jesus in all of scripture. And then I've been tying in the Deeper Christian podcast, talking about one of my favorite glimpses or pictures of Jesus in that part of scripture. Well, in this week's episode, we were talking about that time period from the judges all the way through the prophets. In other words, it's pretty much the majority of the Old Testament. And throughout that time period, there was just a season of waiting. There was an expectancy for the coming of the Messiah. God was doing some amazing things and he was prophesying through the prophets. You know, he was establishing the kingdom through the kings. And yet there was something lacking. There was a there was something missing and it was the fulfillment, the, the fullness of the king himself. Speaking of that coming Messiah, Jesus Christ. Well, as you look at that season of waiting all the way from the judges and the prophets and the kings, what you're going to realize that there is there is so much in that section that points to Jesus Christ. And we could probably spend the next, you know, I guess probably the rest of our lives <laughs> just walking through those passages, talking about how all of it is a glimpse of the coming of Jesus Christ. While we could look at some of the types, you know, these these pictures of the people that point to Jesus. For example, Jesus says, I am the greater Solomon. I am the greater Jonah. Uh, you look at King David and he's a picture of the coming Messiah. There, there's all these glimpses in the people and the prophecies and, the, and the, the historical accounts that point to Christ. But I thought it'd be kind of fun just again to go back and look at some of the messianic prophecies of that coming Messiah. I have not personally counted them, but scholars tell us that there were well over 300 prophecies that Jesus fulfilled in his first coming. And just for some fun calculations and statistics, there is a professor, uh, Peter W. Stoner, who wrote a book called Science Speaks. And I, I really love 
what he came up with in terms of the mathematical probability of one person in that first century fulfilling eight of the messianic prophecies. In other words, when you look at the prophecies that point to Jesus Christ, we see that there are three over 300 prophecies that Jesus fulfilled perfectly. And yet the probability of one person fulfilling even just eight of the most clear and straightforward of those is one to 10 with 17 zeros behind it. <laughs> I don't even know how to pronounce what that number would be. It's like a hundred cotillion. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a lot. So if you, if you say put the number 10, you put 17 zeros behind it, the likelihood of one person fulfilling all eight prophecies is one person in that number. When you just look at how many humans have lived since the very beginning of Adam and Eve, many scholars have suggested there's probably around 88 billion. And yet this number is like beyond, beyond that, even that number. In other words, statistically, it would be impossible for just one random person to fulfill even eight of the messianic prophecies. And I don't know about you, but that is just an encouragement to my soul to realize that when Jesus is fulfilling the prophecies down to perfection, it's not merely an accident. This is God's brilliant sovereignty and hand to say, look, there is no one else in human history who could have fulfilled this. And yet Jesus didn't merely fulfill eight. The statistical probability of one person fulfilling 48 of these prophecies is one in 10 with 157 zeros behind it. <laughs> that number is just astronomical. And that is only 48 of the 300 plus prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. All that is say, when you look at this reality of Christ coming and fulfilling prophecy, this isn't like a, well, yeah, he, you know, it was well done, Jesus. You know, you, you really pulled that one off. The reality is, is it is so impossible for a single person to do this. It had to been orchestrated by God himself, which is obviously what happened because Jesus is God. So that being said, I don't want to go through 300 plus prophecies. I really just want to give you 30 of my favorite prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. These are just kind of a splattering, if you will, of just some of these incredible prophecies of Jesus's first coming. And what I want to do is I'm not going to read the Old Testament passage and the New Testament fulfillment, but if you're interested in seeing a list of all of these, I will post them in the show notes. In other words, I will just list the prophecy, kind of a summary statement of the prophecy that Jesus fulfilled. And if you'd like to dive into this deeper or see the actual passages, just click on the show notes for this episode or go to deeperchristian.com forward slash 268, and it'll take you to this page and you can list or see all of these uh, prophecies. But the reason I want to go through this is I, I just want to hearken back and remind all of us that if Jesus didn't perfectly fulfill every single one of these Old Testament prophecies, it actually would have proved that he wasn't the Messiah. In other words, when we look at the Old Testament prophecies, it's not just like, well, yes, those are great statements about the coming Messiah. In one sense, it's actually a test to prove that Jesus is who he says he is. In other words, for, for example, you know, if one of his bones got broken at any point of his life, it actually would have proven that he wasn't the Messiah because one of the messianic prophecies is that his bones would not be broken. And, and you see time after time after time that this test 
gets harder and harder and harder to the point where it actually is improbably impossible for any one person to actually fulfill those. So what, what you begin to see through the Old Testament prophecies is that the person who's going to fulfill this, and we know that was Jesus, but in the Old Testament, when as they're looking forward to the coming Messiah, as they're in this season of waiting, longing for their king, what they begin to realize is that the one who is going to actually come is, 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 is going to live such an impossible, overwhelmingly improbable life. And it's actually sad because the moment Jesus showed up, they should have said, wow, you have fulfilled the prophecies. You are the king. And yet, of course, they tried to ignore everything and eventually killed him. But let me just walk through these. And I'm just going to get, I'm going to read you the summary statement. And if you want more details, you can look those up. But here are 30 of these incredible prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. Number one, he has to prove that he's the son of God. And I'm going to, I'm going to read these as if it's a test. Because I actually love that thought process, that Jesus coming is proving himself that he is the Messiah, that he is God himself. And so one of the Old Testament prophecies says that he has to be the son of God. Number two, he has to prove to be the seed of the woman, which is strange because he can't be the seed of a man. He has to be a seed of a woman. And yet we see that he, number three, four, and five, he has to be the seed of Abraham, the seed of Isaac, and the seed of David. In other words, it's given the lineage through which he has to be born. Number six, he has to be born of a virgin. He used to be Emmanuel, God, with us. Now, you got to admit, of all of them, that one's kind of hard to pull off. <laughs> if you're in a plot and plan to you know fulfill the prophecies, you can't choose the timing of your birth. You can't choose the location of your birth, let alone being born of a virgin. And yet what we see is Jesus perfectly fulfills even that because he's born, born a Mary, a virgin. He must be born in a specific location, Bethlehem, Judea. The kings must fall down before him and offer him gifts. He has to be called out of Egypt. Elijah must come before him, which we find out is actually John the Baptist, Number 11, he must be anointed with the Spirit. His ministry must commence and start in Galilee. He must enter into Jerusalem riding upon a colt of a donkey. Number 14, he must be undesirable to many. He must be meek. He must be without guile. He must be consumed with zeal for the house of God. He must bear the reproach. He must be betrayed by a friend. Number 20, the sheep must be scattered. His disciples had to, had, to be, had to be scattered. He has to be sold for exactly 30 pieces of silver, and the potter's field must be purchased with that money. He has to be numbered with criminals. He needs to make intercession for his murderers. They must cast lots for his clothing. His hands and his feet must be pierced. He has to die. His bones cannot be broken. His side has to be pierced. He must rise again from the dead and he must ascend. When you just look at some of those, those are so profound. And what I just thought would be kind of fun is just to give you, maybe outside of all that, two of my favorite prophecies uh, in terms of like just enunciations of the coming Messiah. One of those is in Isaiah 53. We find out that Philip, when he's talking to the Ethiopian eunuch, the Ethiopian eunuch is reading this passage and it says that Philip started in this passage and proclaimed Jesus to him. And what's interesting is when Isaiah was writing Isaiah 53, it is 750 years before Jesus. 
And so 750 years before, it says very specific things about Jesus and his coming. And of course, we know certain passages like, by his stripes, we are healed. You know, like sheep, we've gone astray. But if you have time today, I would encourage you, go and read Psalm 53, because what you hear is this thunderous statement about Jesus, the Messiah. And the one I do actually want to read is Psalm 22. Psalm 22 is so profound to me. It's written by David a thousand years before Jesus. And we know that in the Psalms, the Jews knew all the Psalms by the very first statement of that Psalm. In other words, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. And so one of the ways that they would identify that particular Psalm is just by the first, you know, basically the first line of that Psalm. So if someone says, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, all of them would go, oh yes, I know that Psalm. Well, Psalm 22 starts out with a phrase that shows up at the crucifixion. Psalm 22 begins by saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So in Matthew 27, verse 46, it says that at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, you know, we read a lot into that, but what's interesting is what Jesus is doing is he's pointing back to the reality of Psalm 22. In other words, when Jesus made that statement, everyone would have said, oh yeah, I know that Psalm. And when you go back and you look at that Psalm, what you find is a incredibly detailed enunciation of what is happening at the cross. Now, Psalm 22 is a fairly lengthy Psalm. So let me just give you some of the highlights. Let me just read some of these sections that just point so clearly to the reality of the cross. So David starts by saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, again, I want you to see this in light of the cross and the coming of the Messiah. He goes on and says, I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised by the people. All those who see me ridicule me. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head saying, he trusted in the Lord. Let him rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. Be not far from me for trouble is near for there is none to help. Many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Bashan have, en have encircled me. They gape at me with their mouths like a raging and roaring lion. I am poured out like water and all my bo bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It has melted within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd and my tongue clings to my jaws. You have brought me to the dust of, of death for dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all of my bones. They look and they stare at me. They divide my garments among them and for my clothing, they cast lots. Are you, as you're listening to Psalm 22, do you not just see the whole picture of the cross? So could you imagine being one of the people at the cross and Jesus on the cross cries forth, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And suddenly that, that Psalm would open up in your mind and you start looking around and you would realize what David wrote about was actually about the Messiah himself who is hanging on a cross right in front of you. And his heart has been poured out like wax and they pierce his hands and his feet and everyone is staring and, and gaping at Jesus and they've divided the garments. In fact, they're here, the Roman soldiers casting lots for his garments down below him. And I mean, you have this actual portrayal of Psalm 22 playing out before you. When you look at the prophecies of the Old Testament, again, they're not just some random statements 
come about the coming king. Rather, it is to prove the fact that Jesus is who he said he is. It is an incredible test to say no one else could live the life that he lived. And so while there are countless ways that we can see Jesus in this season of waiting from the prophets and the kings and the, you know, the division of the kingdom and the captivity and the return, while there are so many portraits and types and foreshadows of the coming king in this section, it is an amazing reality to me that the prophecies are all enunciating the reality of Jesus Christ. As Revelation chapter 19 verse 10 says, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Then when you get into the very heart of prophecy, what you find is a testimony, a declaration of Jesus himself. And I just love the fact that the, that, that the probability of one person fulfilling even just eight of the prophecies is, is crazy. To fulfill 40 of them is astronomical, and yet Jesus has perfectly fulfilled over 300 prophecies. And that should encourage us as believers because there are prophecies about his second coming. And if he perfectly fulfilled all the prophecies of the first coming, then we know that without a shadow of a doubt, he is faithful. He cannot lie. He will fulfill his promises and his prophecies, which means he is returning soon. Oh, that is such good news for us who live in this time. Well, I just hope that is an encouragement and a blessing to you as you just ponder the reality of Jesus, especially as we ponder his first coming and the celebration of that as Christmas approaches. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Deeper Christian Podcast. For show notes of this episode, including a list of all those prophecies I read and the passages in the Old and New Testament where it is prophesied and shown where it is fulfilled, as well as a link to the Storyline of Scripture series that I'm walking through in Daily Thunder. If you're interested in any of that, please check out the show notes again at deeperchristian.com forward slash 268 for episode 268. And until next time, where we continue this mini series talking about some of our favorite glimpses of Jesus throughout Scripture, know that I am praying for you and cheering you on as you continue to build your life around Jesus Christ.